0: You're listening to the Changing Lives Podcast, where we talk with health professionals, industry experts, and everyday heroes, changing lives on the front lines through emergency healthcare. I'm your host, Ben Cleaver. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm really excited to get into uh, the episode today. My special guest, Michelle, who I'll introduce in just a second, but If you are doubting or unsure as to whether healthcare is an avenue for a career, an exciting career with many opportunities, then you're going to want to listen on. Today, my special guest for the show is Acting Executive Officer, Director of Nursing for New South Wales Health at Millwilmbar District Hospital, Michelle Havel. Michelle? Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I feel very privileged.
0: Awesome. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have you. Uh, I'm just going to give you a bit of a, a, bit of a talk up right now <laughs> so you don't have to talk up yourself. But Michelle, you've been 18 years in uh, health service management. Correct. We haven't had anybody in that management role on the podcast, so I'm really excited to talk to you about that whole sector within, within the health service. Um, you've worked on some pretty large scale projects including the Gold Coast Uni Hospital uh, Build and Move project um, and the Com Games, 2018 Com Games at the Gold Coast. Uh, We want to talk about that and your experience in the the health team uh, in that. And uh, you're a student mentor at Griffith Uni. You're a published author. (laughs) The list goes on. Uh, And just this year, you became an Associate Fellow uh, of the Australasian College of Health Service Managers.
1: Correct, yes.
0: Wow. I bet you didn't think all this would play out when you started your healthcare career.
1: Never in a million years. I was just a nurse. Never thought anything beyond that.
0: Amazing. Um, So we're going to talk a bit about your career journey and then obviously your insight and perspective on, uh, particularly for people starting out in healthcare or studying um, healthcare and uh, maybe help to open up their minds as to what is possible, and particularly for those who may feel um, they've got some leadership abilities. Um, So we're going to talk about that whole um, area of management within healthcare. So that's pretty exciting. Um, It's just a a real honor to have you on the show, and thank you for your time.
1: Oh, no worries. It's my pleasure.
0: All right, but first of all, before we get into all that, um, (laughs) you're, you're a twin.
1: Yes, correct. I am a twin.
0: That's dear to my heart because I have twin little boys, four year olds. Um, you remember what that was like?
1: Yeah, <laughs> We're having four year olds. I do. One four year old at a time. <laughs> One four
0: year old at a time. That's preferably how you would do it. But um, not only are you a twin, but you married the same man. Well, <laughs> this. Okay. Yeah.
1: The, uh, we Let's married- clarify that. <laughs> We marry, my twin and I both are married to Michael's, so
0: How confusing does that get for friends and family? And have you ever (laughs) used that to your advantage to uh, to have fun with people?
1: Well, in our family, the saying is my Michael. So my sister started the, my Michael does this. So now I have to say my Michael whenever I talk about my husband. So it's, it's a bit of a saying, my Michael. So it, 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 it's very strange, I know, but I just want to go on record that I married my husband first. Right, right. Okay. And- <laughs>
0: Here it is. <laughs> um, great. And so can we talk about now um, your passion, first of all, your passion and sense of purpose in healthcare? And then we want to go through your, your career, uh, just a, a brief overview of your career and your current role. Yeah. And then and, and some of the things you've been uh, involved in along the way. But um, why do you love working in health?
1: Well, I really like that you said, what's your sense of purpose? Because if I start from the beginning of my journey, mm. I graduated high school and I went into nursing basically because I didn't want to be a checkout chick you know and i thought well i have to do something with my life and i really didn't get a sense of what nursing or what healthcare what it really meant yeah and i guess throughout my professional journey i've matured and i've changed my sense of purpose mm. so at the beginning when i graduated you know i just wanted to graduate and get some money and mm. you know sure i wanted to learn all about healthcare and you know how to care for people but it really didn't Start to mature until probably I was in charge of, you know, others, other healthcare providers. Okay. Um, probably until I had one to two years' experience under my belt and I really got a sense of my role within that healthcare team. And then once I had children, my priorities and my sense of purpose changed. And then um, when I came back from work, uh, from having children, they changed again. I was leading a different team and and throughout times in my career, my sense of purpose changed from just wanting to earn money to wanting to really be one of the best nurses I could ever be mm. um, to making sure that the nurses that worked with me knew what their role was and them wanting to be the best nurses that they could be to de- deliver that safe care. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, it, it's to me, in the position that I'm in now and the previous um, big positions that you mentioned before on the project roles, it was all about delivering safe care and being safe. So, um, when I say being safe, it's not only my staff and the staff that I work with delivering safe care, it's what is it about them that's safe as well, so ensuring that they're safe. So. Um, I guess that's my sense of purpose, mm. developing those people, because if I develop and look after those people and those staff, then they're going to deliver the best care possible and make sure it's safe and that they're safe and their team's safe. So I guess that's that's my sense of purpose in health at the moment, and it may change into the future. Mm. Um, and for others, their sense of purpose is different. So... You mentioned that I was a Griffith Uni mentor, and I do have a lot of colleagues still come to me for mentoring outside of the university. And they, they say things to me like, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where to go in my career. I don't know, you know, I want to do this, but I'm not too sure. And I always say to them, What's your purpose? You know, why do you want to do that? Why are you applying for this role if you're telling me you want to be an educator and the, man- and the role is management? Mm. What is your purpose? You've got to find your purpose and your passion in order to move forward. Mm. And I really love healthcare because it's diverse, it gives you flexibility and um, after that one or two years that you consolidate all your theory once you graduate from whatever um, degree or course that you're doing, that world's your oyster. Mm. You know, you've got that experience now, you've consolidated your skills, you can go anywhere and do anything with that. So that's the beauty of health.
0: Amazing. It really
1: is. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Uh, it's awesome to hear your passion. Um, so what I want to hear now is just get an idea of, can you tell the story of your, and brief uh, of your, of course, because it's, uh, <laughs> it's wide and varied, but your career journey uh, of he- in healthcare and, uh, and then before describing your current role as acting executive officer, director of nursing.
1: Sure. So uh, um, as I mentioned, I graduated high school, 17, and I went to Griffith University straight out of high school. Um, I decided to do a Bachelor of Nursing and I didn't know what it was about, but I ploughed through and I finished the Bachelor and I obtained a position as a registered nurse at the Gold Coast, the old Gold Coast Hospital. And that was way back in 2000. So a bit of a while ago, uh, and I obtained a position in the gastrointestinal surgical unit, and mm. there I stayed for for pretty much for the most of my nursing career.
0: So, and you gave a nod to me there because we talked about this. Um, I've got a, a, a bowel disease and I've had um, had a, a quite a number of surgeries, and um, so I mean, there's a connection there. And. And, I I mean, part of why I love talking about healthcare is because my I wouldn't be here without quality healthcare mm. um, and it's saved my life a number of times. I've had emergency surgery mm. and um, and it's just inspiring to see um, and be a part of the next fleet of, um, of healthcare providers. So, yeah, yeah, it's awesome to hear that you've had experience in that. I think that's, you know, just to connect in that way.
1: Yeah. Well, you're yeah. very lucky then because, yeah... Um some of the people that I've seen come through have been very sick. So, very, mm. you're very lucky. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing so much better than I could have hoped for. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Wonderful. Mm.
1: Well, uh, I stayed there for pretty much most of my nursing, um, career. I soon became the nurse unit manager of that unit. I was, I think I was about 26 at the time when I became the nurse unit manager. Which, wow. Yeah. Which, um, was a bit of luck and a bit of um, hard work, right I place, think. Right a bit time of both. And yeah. And you're both, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think at the time I was probably the youngest nurse unit manager at the old Gold Coast Hospital, which has had its challenges. But I stayed there for quite some time and uh, I had my babies. And I, when I returned to work, as most mums do, they don't want to come back to work full time. And at the time. Gold Coast Health wasn't quite mature enough to allow part-time managers to come back. So this opportunity arose with the Gold Coast University Hospital project team to be one of the transition managers there. So okay. um, yeah, part of a project manager within the um, um, project team and my portfolios in that were family, women's and children's. So the huge, massive Um, Clinical divisions and my responsibilities were family, women's, and children's, which was probably something close to my heart at the time because I had two young ones at home. And I had some other minor portfolios that I looked after as well. But one of the big ones getting closer to the move that I looked after was the move workforce. So my role was to be in charge of organising all the healthcare escorts for Mm. the move okay yeah so that was pretty interesting yeah and then after that project finished i did some minor project roles within the new gcuh and eventually ended up going back to my ward which was now in the new gold coast university hospital um for a couple of i think it was about 12 months and it was during that time that i led the inaugural Gold Coast 2015, it's a bit of a tongue tie, <laughs> um, nursing and midwifery symposium. So it would never oh, been wow. done before. So it was wonderful. It was a wonderful um, um, conference that we undertook. And um, it, it was just a wonderful opportunity for the um, hospital and we showcased the hospital and nursing midwifery services and it was, you know, still relatively brand new mm then uh in 2016, another opportunity came i've been very I've been very lucky in my career, I have to say um, where a colleague of mine had already been seconded to the Commonwealth Games um, by Queensland Health, and she contacted me and asked me if I'd like to come across so in, in between 2015 and 2016 i I held some you know acting director positions in digestive health and whatnot but um when the Com Games position came up, I had to take take the plunge, so yeah. to speak, because it was yeah. a, an amazing opportunity, and that's where I stayed for two years um, until just after the Com Games. And then I went back to Gold Coast Health into my nurse unit manager role, and after um, 20 years at Gold Coast Health, last year I decided it was time to move on, mm-hmm. and I applied to New South Wales Health and was successful, and that's where I've been for wow. the last 13, 14 months. Yeah.
0: So, so what does a director of nursing, uh, an executive officer at yeah. a hospital do?
1: <laughs> I know. It's such a mouthful, yeah. isn't it? So in my current role, I basically look after the whole facility. So... Um, it's not just nursing and midwifery, it's medical, nursing, midwifery, operational services, food services, administration, medical imaging, you name it, whatever goes into that hospital, all reports to that role. So essentially, that role is ultimately responsible for operationally managing that facility, but also for strategic planning and management of that facility. Okay. So to me, you're Creating the building blocks of services for years to come. Wow. So, and and I, I guess we'll get onto it um later when we talk, you know, more about um the effects of COVID and whatnot, but that, that role um needs to be at the forefront of whatever is contemporary happening in, in mm. the rest of the universe, so to speak. Mm. Yeah.
0: Amazing! I am reminded of a picture that my daughter drew just a couple of days ago, and I wish I brought it in because I think she's going to be you, Michelle, in twenty years. My eight-year-old daughter; she um, she drew a picture of this hospital just yeah. in pencil, um, and there was all these levels. Yeah, there was toilets on every level. There were X-rays. There were there was the the birthing suite. There was the. Um, Everything you know, wow. Yeah, everything you name. I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't have had a clue drawing a picture of a hospital of all these different units as much as her. So, I, I wish I would brought that picture in. But, um, wow. but it's such a fascinating role. And I think um, with that foundation of healthcare, you've been able to now what what largely seems like um, logistical and and project management sort of skills and yep. and uh, and role within the healthcare, which is so and planning.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, which is
0: obviously foundational to the the health service, um, and so it's just really interesting, and, and it just um, it's exciting for people to to think like you know going into healthcare that I'm not just going to be somebody or not just the same, but there's not there's so much on offer. Yeah. Than um, bedside. Yeah. Know, healthcare. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: The, it, I never in a million years, when I was a registered nurse on that old ward six B at Gold Coast Hospital, thought I would thought I would ever get those opportunities I mean it it, to a certain extent it it relies on how hard you want to work in the first place as well Mm. and it relies on your attitude and where where you see yourself going Mm. I guess um some of it's luck right place right time but the opportunities, if you're willing, if you're enthusiastic, if you want to keep going, are mm. endless in health. And it's just a matter of where you, where you
0: look. Mm. Yeah. So with that in mind, if someone were, were to want to head in that direction and see themselves in leadership and management within healthcare, what are some of the skills and, and even qualifications that should be on their radar
1: Yeah, so for my – when I went to nurse unit manager role, I really didn't have many skills apart from being a team leader in charge of shifts and um, I learned really quickly um, how to lead and manage people because people will tell you by walking out the door and you won't have any staff left. So I soon learned to listen to the people that I worked with and I like to say that the people that I work with because they don't work for me. (laughs) I work with them Mm -hmm. and so um, you have to listen to who you're working with and you have to really take on board what they're asking for and try and meet their needs to to a certain degree And, and be prepared to stand up and be accountable and say if you can't meet their needs. So it's about that for me communication in leadership and management roles. It's about uh, having a bit of foresight, as I mentioned in the um, director of nursing role, you have to have that contemporary foresight of what's going on around you in that okay. healthcare sector mm. so that you can plan ahead and then lead, be able to lead your team in a manner in which they will want to be led. Mm. There was something I saw. I saw a video and I can't remember who it is. It was um, the US Secretary General. He posted a video on leadership and he he said someone once told him you can tell when someone is a great leader if people want to follow you if only out of curiosity Mm. which means which meant to him that they trusted him Mm. enough even if they didn't know what he was going to do next to trust him enough to follow him into wherever he was going to go because they were curious about what he was going to do.
0: Wow. So there's so. that trust but there's also that sort of this person's inspiring and I want to be where and go where they're going.
1: Absolutely. So for someone to have those qualities and to actually be engaging enough for people to want to for people to want to follow you. That's very special and that's something that I feel is a bit learned as well for me. Yeah. So um I guess that's really out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in terms of skills and uh what other education and learning that you can do for me I did a master's of health services management and that that basically consolidated what I was doing at the time in my career so it just demonstrated to me the evidence base of what I was doing um for others it might be well let's let's see if there's a succession planning program is there any mentoring is there any coaching programs I got into Griffith University mentoring uh, because I wanted to help others I wanted to give back to the nursing Mm -hmm. um, community I guess that was something that I felt very strongly about and that also led me to listening to my peers and listening to what uh, people wanted and Mm -hmm. what, what people needed and I think if If you listen to others and you give them the time, then they're more inclined to to want to come and um, work with you in Mm. that leadership and management role.
0: Mm. And what are those foundational qualifications before that? Like, you know,
1: yeah. So, uh, look, I suppose it depends on what health sector you work in. Mm. For nursing. you do your Bachelor of Nursing and then depending on where you work, which facility you work in, there may be some succession planning programs okay. in those sort of areas. Within
0: the the service. Yeah, okay.
1: so more like leadership development, that type of thing. Mm. Um, then it might it might be different for ambulance service. It might be different, again, yeah, for, for sure. medical staff, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a Bachelor of whatever or a um, Grad Cert of whatever you're in and um, – any formal within the service and then you can go and do your masters in healthcare leadership or nursing leadership or um, healthcare management
0: yeah
1: but okay. that again I, I think your masters just consolidates what what you're already doing
0: yeah it's a good point yeah
1: yeah and at the end of the day it's a bit of paper you actually have to live that role
0: mm-hmm. i think and and you say you're lucky but what what were those qualities skills uh, abilities that you held that that allowed you put you on the table at least for some of these roles and leadership roles that now has kind of built into you know to where you are today
1: yeah I um I guess I just worked really hard I really did work hard i I did a lot I remember saying my husband I've just got to work hard and I'll get somewhere (laughs) I remember saying that to him all the time he's like you're crazy lady um so I I did work really hard and I remember I remember if I promised that something that I would deliver something I would deliver it on time if I promised that I'd deliver it cheaper I'd do that if, if if I said I would do something I would do it so it's about that integrity having that integrity and building your re- reputation up mm. so I had worked with Gold Coast Health for a long time so I knew a lot of people and I built those relationships and I built that reputation f- through sheer hard work and that communication with people so um, I guess to me that's that's probably what got me over the line and then when i when I got those roles, I proved that I was worthy by working hard mm. I just i that's what I put it down to there was one um I remember one general manager at gold Coast university hospital he I, he introduced me to someone one day and he described me as the woman that you go to to get things done <laughs> so for me that was pretty That was pretty cool that he said that, you know. And I guess that was my reputation. You just get things done. But get things done in a manner in which you bring people with you. Yeah. There's no point in in getting things done only to when you leave, they go back to the same old. So, yeah, that's really important.
0: Awesome. So now, Michelle, talking about the obvious global pandemic that we're in right now and uh, the role of the healthcare service, what changes have you seen in the last uh 12 to 18 months.
1: Yeah, so if if I was to descri- to describe the changes that we've seen in health, I would say that they were all encompassing mm. the changes. So when I when I think about this and I break it down, I think about workforce. So workforce first and foremost, we've seen some changes particularly where I'm working at the moment in uh, decisions from the current workforce about whether they continue in the workforce. Um, there was a lot of fear amongst the workforce in the healthcare workforce where I am. Not probably not so much at um, within Queensland Health, but definitely within Northern New South Wales Health.
0: I think that would span most industries as well.
1: Yeah, de- definitely a lot of fear um, mm. within that workforce. A lot of um, retirements went on, went along. Um, also in the workforce, how we it when, went about our business like the rest of society i feel as if as a workforce even though i talked about safety and delivering safe care even us as healthcare workers we were complacent you know i, I think the pandemic has reminded us how we can't be complacent in health how we you know have to do our 20 yeah. seconds hand washing even yeah. as nurses you do like your 10 second hand there yeah, i've washed my hands but The pandemic reminded us very quickly that it wasn't good enough. Yep,
0: Big wake-up call.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely huge wake-up call. Um, So that changed the way we started training people as well, you know, and that changed the way, you know, we couldn't do big groups of training for our workforce. We had to look at different ways and how are we going to train them. We had to... uh, practice donning and doffing gloves and gowns again, because we thought we were doing the right thing when really we weren't. And there were holes in our practice everywhere. So as a workforce, I guess that was really humbling. Yeah. Um, In other sectors of workforce, I think I feel as if the pandemic, the effects of the pandemic, we're not going to see for another couple of years. Mm. So, and and I'd be so interested to see the research about this in a couple of years' time. So, the pandemic will do one of two things. Um, in terms of funding, government funding for um, degrees, et cetera, et cetera, for um, institutes like yep. this and Griffith or the universities, it'll either the governments will either increase funding to health which will aid in any um, um, graduates coming into the workforce or they won't have enough money to do that and uh, that will impact on the supply of graduates coming into the workforce. Then uh, we have different generations coming into the workforce now because of some have been displaced by COVID. So all the airline industry has been decimated. Mm. So we've seen uh, some of those Generation Xs, I guess, for one of not um, (laughs) putting people into their boxes, um, changing their uh, profession because they've had to. So we may see some of those coming into the healthcare workforce. Uh, We may see some Generation Ys that, um, for one of a better description, are loyal to and think about the community more so than the Generation Xs. So it may may be that the pandemic has made them really think about, okay, well, what can I give back to the community? So we may see them come into healthcare, but we don't know that yet for a couple of years time. So that's the longer term effects of the pandemic on workforce. Then what we saw was uh, resourcing. So all of our supplies, all of our, you know, gloves, gowns, masks, there was a real panic because healthcare providers thought that we wouldn't have enough supply, mm. um, every, and that was Australia-wide, and it's really made healthcare providers think, and those that manufacture healthcare resources within the country, how can we, how can we have these back at home? So that that's that's been a huge impact, and you know we saw rationing within healthcare services of supplies.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, it it um, was very interesting. Then uh, as healthcare leaders, we found it very difficult to keep up with the communications. So you would have one day the advice would be this and then the next day within 24 hours the advice would change. And to send that out to your workforce was very difficult and very confusing. And also sending it out to the public um, and the effects of the public coming into the healthcare system, Mm. those effects were very difficult to manage yeah so look in a nutshell it's all encompassing that the effects of um, how we deliver care you know um, how we build new facilities or in in the case of say um, Queensland Ambulance Service how they deliver care in the facilities that they have so their vehicles or do they um, you know you, you bet your bottom dollar they'll be planning about Um, major pandemics and what they could do better um, in terms of how we manage those patients that are identified as potential COVID or suspected Mm. COVID. Mm. Um, Facilities are looking at their hand-washing facilities, um, the types of doors that they have on private rooms. They're looking at uh, how um, the rooms are set out um, in terms of model of care that they deliver. Yeah. How do we change this? Do we need more nursing staff? Do mm. we need healthcare assistance to watch people don and off? So all that type of thing. It, the pandemic has been a very big, as you said before, wake-up call to us in health. Mm. Absolutely.
0: And that's not just how you go about things, but it's how the, the whole infrastructure and structure of care uh, has, has to change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And we, we were, like, it, I'll admit it, uh, we were complacent. We know what we're doing. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah,
0: well, a global pandemic is just a hypothetical, isn't it, until it actually happens and yeah. then you go, okay, this is, this is happening and it may happen and likely will happen again and, and uh, you know, we need to be prepared for that. Number one, healthcare, the yeah. front lines, needs to be prepared.
1: Absolutely. And how do we give our people the tools that they need at the front line? What mm. is going, going to keep them safe and our patients safe and our community safe? Mm. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Are there any new job roles or opportunities within that that this pandemic has brought about? And it, I, yeah. I know you said that, you know, there'll probably be a couple of years uh, till we actually see the the full impact. But yeah. can you see any sort of avenues opening up for people um, yeah. that yeah. might be on their radar?
1: Yeah, mm. absolutely. I think there's there'll be a focus on public health. There'll be a big push for public health, so any roles within public health. Yeah. Um, There is currently um, massive recruitment drives for COVID, um, a COVID workforce, I believe. Okay. That's what you would call it. Um, And most of that's driven out of, if you look at Brisbane and Gold Coast, um, major metropolitan areas, uh, still recruiting for COVID response teams. Okay. Um, And they will keep those um, anyone that applies to those positions that will keep those files, and so they can mobilise a massive workforce at short notice.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: So um, there are positions out there that are coming about. There's a lot of project positions. If you're a clinician with project management experience, now's the time to start applying to those roles, because uh, they're setting up, you know, pop-up vaccination clinics, pop-up um, testing clinics, or mm. Uh, a colleague of mine is now in charge of the uh, hotel quarantines in Brisbane, you know, so that's a major project team as well. So there's a lot of that project management going on around the traps as well.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay, so let's turn our attention now. I'm really interested to hear about your experience uh, with the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast uh, in 2018. Uh, you're part of the, the, the health team there. Obviously, that's sort of an um, out-of-hospital uh, health service. Um, so what was that whole experience like?
1: Amazing. I can't, I can't even – it just brings a big smile on my face every time I talk about it. Amazing. Like we worked so hard. We worked amazingly hard but it was so rewarding and so such a privilege to be part of that experience. So uh, part of my role, I was the medical manager for workforce resourcing and materials resourcing okay so for medical services yeah so basically my role was to um plan and implement the workforce for medical services and we delivered medical services to spectators as well as athletes okay. so so it was the first time at the commonwealth games that the project management team or the um organizing committee had delivered spectator medical services so we're virtually starting from scratch
0: the first time in a commonwealth games mm. oh wow yeah. okay
1: so, yeah so that it hadn't been done before and we had nothing to sort of guide us mm. so it was very interesting times and we we kind of rewrote the book and gave a legacy for future commonwealth games i guess which is pretty wow. exciting so what yeah.
0: do they look like on the ground? The,
1: the medical teams yeah oh yeah <laughs> they they look like giant green um, <laughs> giant green people with big red backpacks but uh, on the ground we had a fairly multidisciplinary team we had we were looking for about 1500 headcount for games time okay and that included any of the sports medicine guys and but the bulk of it was our, spectator care teams that was our biggest team for every venue so we had yeah approximately 1500 headcount we were looking for we had over about 5,000 people put their hands up so probably one of the largest um, divisions I guess to have that many people volunteer for us and then we had to cull them all um, and that was a rigorous uh, process mm. no doubt uh, we provided care to spectators and athletes for 18 venues and 12 competition venues, uh, 12 training venues. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of venues, as well as what's called the polyclinic within the Games Village. It's like a big super GP clinic. Oh wow. Yeah, and. What's called the Games Family Hotel, so where all the royals come and stay, we had oh. to provide medical services, especially for them as well. La-dee-da. The okay. VIPs, right. yeah. Right. The VIPs. So <laughs> it was quite extensive the services that we had to provide yeah. and the and the amount that the volunteers did. So fifteen hundred headcount isn't that many, really, when you no. when you look at it, no. when you look at the the volume of venues that we had to cover, but. People, those volunteers, those medical volunteers, and there's inherent differences between paid staff and volunteers, people just put their hand up and they wanted to be a part of it. didn't matter to them if they worked seven days in a row. That's what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So they did work hard. Everyone worked really hard and they were giving up their time. These are people that were specialists in sports medicine, flying from all over the country that gave up their time for that.
0: Wow! Volunteer. Yep, all volunteer. Amazing. Yep. And and what sort of medical uh, emergencies and and uh, illnesses were you treating? I mean, what was the scope there?
1: Yeah. So, look, we were prepared for pretty much anything. We worked very closely with the Queensland Ambulance Service in terms of spectator care and, and athlete care. We were prepared for everything. So. I think I kitted out every venue with um, multiple AEDs. So every venue had multiple defibrillators placed everywhere around. I think I bought about 156 in the end. So what's that, 18 venues, 30 odd venues, that's three a venue? Yeah, so at at the very least anyway. So we worked closely with Queensland Ambulance Service and we were able to provide that pre-hospital care to the extent that um, it was really high level. Mm. We had uh, emergency physicians as part of our um, workforce yeah. in that spectator care model, and we, we worked out a um, minimum safe standards or safe staffing levels for care delivery. Okay. So what happened was if we didn't have those minimum safe staffing levels, i.e. ED physician, two registered nurses, I'm making this up now, to open, say, the swimming, mm. uh, then the swimming wouldn't go ahead. So, wow. we, So once again, we had to ensure that we were safe and that we had enough staff to ensure that we were delivering safe care. Mm. And we did have a few emergencies. We had some emergencies because it was so hot in mm-hmm. April. This time it would have been yeah. around this time three years ago now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There you go.
0: Yeah. Very hot on the Gold Coast still. Mm.
1: Yes, it was very hot. And we had a few. I remember I was at the swimming one day. I think I was helping them out or something. And there was a lot of people leaving the morning session for the swimming. And the, um, the grandstands were in the sun, like full sun. Yeah. And the people were leaving from the morning session and there were people collapsing everywhere. So we had... Um, what we would call emergency response teams on the ground and radios and, yeah, it was – some of it was quite serious and we did we did uh-huh. transport a few to hospital but um, okay. we had the teams there to yeah. safely deliver that care. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Wow, well, it sounds like a first aid tent on steroids. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's absolutely – that was it. The first aid tents were on steroids and, yeah, yeah the service that we delivered was absolutely um, – Pre-hospital best, and in Queensland, ambulance service were phenomenal. Hmm. They were with us all the way, so yeah, it's good.
0: Amazing. Was that one of the? Uh, I wouldn't say the highlight, but what is that one of the more memorable events that day? Or was there one that another one that comes to mind that you can oh, wow. divulge <laughs> at all, um, where you felt like, wow, this is you know, yeah, this is something else.
1: Look, I. um Pretty much every event, because I, I was lucky enough that I could go to pretty, I could go to any event, and mm. it, every event that you went to it was you just had to pinch yourself. I couldn't believe that I was actually there. Mm. It was amazing. Probably from one of the most memorable, probably not for the right reasons, is the marathon. The marathon to me uh, was most memorable because it was a time when we, as healthcare providers, everyone in my team, had to think about. Our practice, we reflected on our practice because, as you know, the Scottish runner um, collapsed probably, I think it was about three kilometres from the finish line mm-hmm. and he was in the lead. And then one of my respondents was um, responded to him and there was huge controversy about um, the medical response, massive controversy. And there was protests and whatnot. And my team and I, because, yeah, it, that was my team on that day. So I, I um, was given the responsibility of the marathon because it was the last day of competition, massive team on the ground. We had, you know, volunteers every two kilometres around the course, huge team. And I guess my team and I really had a, a really big reflection and debrief at the end of that day. And um, we spoke about what happened, what what we could have done better and really when we debriefed, we really couldn't have done anything different. We had mm. medical staff on board and they supported what, what happened and to me that was probably the essence of and the culmination of building that team and being part of that team and that was really memorable mm. in the end. Was good.
0: And that's what we drill into students, um, the post, the yes. debrief. It
1: was really important. Yeah. What
0: happened. What could we do better? Which you can always do, and that's how you improve as a service, right? Yeah. What went well? What What could do better? Uh, What What could we do better next time? Um, But wow, to be involved in that. Yeah. um, People attending the the event, um, the the event, and watching it on TV don't think about probably what's going on in the background, and uh, that there was such a medical health force behind. Um, all of those events that they literally didn't run and, unless you had, had numbers and, and um, resources. Yeah. Um, what an exciting thing to be involved in. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, very and, and
0: I'm guessing that there would, I mean, there'd be opportunities for, for healthcare um, professionals all over the world to be involved in, in similar events uh, if they can get there.
1: Yeah. you Look, you just have to get your foot in the door. Yeah. And it, if I wasn't a paid staff member for um, GC Twenty Eighteen, I remember part of our role before the games in trying to drum up volunteers was we would go to health um, organisations and we went through to all the hospitals throughout the southeast and northern New South Wales trying to get um, volunteers on board. And I remember speaking to the emergency department at GCUH at the time, and I said to them, "If if I wasn't a paid staff member, I would volunteer." Mm. I would have volunteered. I would have volunteered because I I want to give back to the community. This is something exciting that I can give back to the community for. And this is something that I want to show my children that I'm not just a nurse, Mm. that I'm I'm giving back to the community and I want to be a part of something bigger than just being a nurse.
0: Mm. And you talk about the community a lot and I think that's Mm. central to your purpose as a healthcare worker. And we alluded to that significance of the health service in the community but – I think it's probably really important, and, and it's inspiring too to hear your perspective about um, being community-minded as a healthcare professional, and that giving you that purpose and significance, um, paid or unpaid, um, and that uh, I see it really lights that that passion and purpose for community really lights you you up, lights your eyes up, and uh, and probably keeps you going through um, good days and bad days yeah. in the service. Um, yeah. How does how does somebody learn that yeah
1: how do <laughs> that you learn passion it? yeah how do you yeah. learn passion
0: it's it's um it's a difficult question but um what a, your attention where where's your attention go um if you're in that space of you know this is a career for me it's a job mm. for me how how would you inspire you know young people or people just you know on this path in, in a career in healthcare, uh, but probably those lights haven't been turned on mm. yet. W- what's the significance of healthcare yep. and why should we be so community-minded?
1: Yeah, it's, it's such a good question, such a good question. Yeah, big question. Yeah, it's a great one though. And look, I probably needed to mature a bit when I was younger and, it, and it, when I think back at, through my career, there are some significant times that I can clearly remember when the light bulb went on and I thought, oh, that's that's the impact I can have. That's the impact that I'm having on those within the community. That's the type of role model I want to be, yeah? So one of those times I can clearly remember, it was probably in 2011, and I was the nurse unit manager of uh, the old 6B at Gold Coast Hospital. And I was heavily pregnant at the time, heavily pregnant. And Cyclone Yazzie came through, Cairns, mm. like decimated Cairns, you know. And the call came over from Cairns Hospital and Hospital and Health Service asking for nurses to go up there to help out because their nursing staff had either been working full non-stop since Cyclone hit or they couldn't get to the hospital to work their shifts because their places were decimated. So I had some young, highly skilled nurses, single, that were willing to go, and I and the call came out within forty eight hours. They were ready to go. So I went to a printer, a t shirt printer shop, and I had them print off two t shirts. You know, I sent two nurses, and it said something like. Um, Gold Coast to Cairns Cyclone Yazi Nursing Relief 2011 on the back of their shirts right and I didn't learn this until they returned from Cairns and uh, they wore those shirts to the airport at Coolangatta Airport and they told me that they were stopped by so many people thanking them mm-hmm. for going up like that's to m- when they told me that I thought well you're just doing your job. But when I reflect on that, people are so grateful for, mm. for the work that healthcare workers do. And we often don't realise that. To us, you know, we're showering someone or we're helping them, you know, um, attend their activities of daily living or, yep. you know, we're changing a stoma bag or, you know, for young people, we're, we're helping them at their most vulnerable time mm. or we're attending that accident or, you know, we're um, performing CPR on someone that we don't think is going to survive. Mm. And pe- someone's always watching and someone's always learning. And no matter whether you like it or not, you're a role model to the community. So I guess for me, that, that was one incident that I thought, wow, that's um, pretty powerful. And I guess in another incident I thought of um, was during the GCUH Build and Move, we had a community open day.
0: That's the Gold Coast Hospital, uh, University Hospital. Yes. Yep. Um, move. Build yeah. and move. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I do
1: use a lot of acronyms. I think it's two, a health thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you, you got to
0: in health, don't you? you yeah. got to use acronyms everywhere from doctors, ABCD <laughs> do. to all oh, the way up to... Oh, you do.
1: Yeah. Uh, we had a community open day and it was about two weeks out from us moving the hospital. And you know, as the project team, we had probably had about twenty project members there, and we thought, "Oh yeah, some of the public might come in we'll be right we'll do t- a couple of tours from eight till eleven, and then we'll shut up shop that's our community open day well i don't know if anyone's ever heard about what happened at the community open day, but we had about thirty 000 to forty thousand people through the doors that day, and when we expected the day to end, we couldn't end it. We actually the day went from eight to four thirty. And we did non-stop tours. Wow! So the the Gold Coast University Hospital, it's got a massive foyer, and if anyone's ever been into that hospital, the foyer was shoulder to shoulder with people. And, oh, with and I'm flights. guessing it's a big, yeah, big area. Mm. It was massive. And
0: did you say there was fights?
1: There were fights in the car park. Yeah, oh, because it, for it, car parks. Yeah, it just really hit home the importance of yes, a new facility, but what we do mm. as healthcare workers, there were people that were really invested in that hospital and really wanted to know how it was going to work, how we were going to staff it, what it looked like, where were, where did they need to go on the day that they had to go there. Mm. That really hit home to me. That was a massive event.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you've got a depth of experience in out-of-hospital and in-hospital health care services and like for somebody deciding at least where they want to head to they're probably not going to know where they're going to end up because you know your your career is uh, a testament to that Um, but can you allude to some of the differences in working within a hospital as opposed to pre-hospital or out of hospital yeah sure
1: yeah Um, for me working in a hospital is very controlled there are a lot of resources around there's a lot of people to call on Um, if you're working pre-hospital in that pre-hospital space, you really have to know your stuff and be on the ball. Uh, there's a lot of people watching, as I said, Mm. um, which is a good thing. I I mean, I don't mind people watching me, it keeps me accountable. Uh, and, um, the resources around you are not as extensive as in hospital. Mm. So you have to really think about what you're doing and why you're doing it, and you know it's okay if you if you reflect on something you could have done better. That's that's part of learning, yeah, um, and not not to be too hard on yourself. But uh, pre-hospital is. Yeah, the, the resources are different that you have. Um, and I feel like the teams are probably closer because of that. You're working in some really tough environments uh, and you don't know about the unknowns, mm. you know, when you stop at that that accident, when you, you don't know who this patient is, you yeah. don't know their history. Um, you don't know who's going to come around the corner or you really have to think about your safety and your patient's safety within that pre-hospital environment. Yeah. We talk about safety in the hospital environment, thinking about your safety, but it's very controlled. You're walking into a patient's bedroom and there's no water on the floor, very unlikely. Mm. Or you know where the uh, met call bell is? It's right there. If I, I can just press that if I need assistance. Yeah, yeah. But pre-hospital there's no met call bell. Mm. It's a radio and you're asking for assistance straight away. Mm. So there's good points to both and there's, major differences in that respect, mm. I guess. Your pre-hospital uh, care, you're looking to stabilise and move straight away as soon as you can to mm. get them to a higher level care facility. Whereas in the hospital setting, particularly in the units that I've been in charge of, you might stabilise them but you might not move them. You might vent them on the ward, mm. you know, before you send them to ICU. That type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. they're the two main differences for me.
0: Do you think there'd be uh, a lot of value in having experience in, in, in both?
1: Absolutely. There used to be a program where the Queensland Ambulance Officers used to come to the hospitals and do a practical session there. And um, it just gave them that look at the patient journey, that more robust look at the yeah. patient journey. Cause it. it as pre-hospital clinician, you see that those patients for 45 minutes, an hour, enough to stabilize them, send them on their way. Whereas in hospital, you get to see that patient, how they're recovering, if they're recovering, or what the, what sort of care is being delivered for that patient in yeah. order for them to be discharged and go home. Mm-hmm. just gives you that good picture of where that patient's going. And I guess it allows you to look at the patient and their family as individuals just like you, rather than the patient that you're only treating for that short amount of time, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah makes a lot of sense. So in your opinion, this is a big question as well, <laughs> we don't ask the light questions uh, on Changing Lives podcast, but um, we're, we're nearing the end, um, but uh, what are the, some of the best assets that a healthcare provider can, professional can, can hold skills and, and qualities that is going to one set them up for success, but also fulfilment. Yeah, in a, a sector like like a the healthcare sector.
1: Yeah, yeah. So th- that is a really good <laughs> question, and I I had to think about that one. Um, look, I think self preservation is number one bit of self-preservation so there is an element of burnout within healthcare professions and I think you need to know your limits and know when you need time out and what's good for you in terms of time out Mm -hmm. so you really do have to look after yourself that's number one because if you don't look after yourself you're not going to enjoy your job it's not meant to be hard to go to work you're meant to want to go to work um, so that's number one. There's been, you know, it's a great, it's a great profession in healthcare, um, but there, there is some really tough times. Let's be honest, it's tough. Mm. You know, I've seen colleagues leave the profession for that very reason, or burnout in in the intensive care unit, and have to have to leave. So you have to find what works for you in terms of um, time out and downtime. Uh, I would say flexibility. Be flexible. Be willing to be flexible. Um, you have to be, I guess, because you're healthcare workers and you're shift workers, so you have to be flexible. Um, get used to not spending Christmas with your family every every year. That's That can be of benefit sometimes, Christmas and families. Uh, <laughs> I'll use that to my advantage Tony anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you. It would be beneficial to be a reflective practitioner. Absolutely. The sooner you learn to reflect, the better you are going to be. Great. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And also take that lifelong learning with you. So just because you get your degree or you get your graduate certificate or, um, you know, you've had that five years experience as an advanced care paramedic, don't stop. Keep being curious. Keep looking for that evidence base. Keep improving. And that's where that reflection comes in as well. To me, that's that's something that I like to keep doing as well. And and if I look to all the recruitment panels I've ever been on or, you know, what I'm looking for in people when I look to hire someone, I like to think that um, I'm looking for someone that wants to keep learning, that's enthusiastic, that that's driven, that's curious. We spoke about being curious before um, and that reflects on what they do well and what they don't do well. Yeah, I guess that's about it.
0: That's excellent. Yeah. Would you have any further advice for anybody starting out in, uh, in health, maybe in their study, yeah. um, thinking about um, a career in healthcare and uh, looking towards it, wanting a job, you know, a fulfilling job, a successful job, obviously, of longevity in the industry? Any other advice that you would give people?
1: If you're thinking of starting out, absolutely do it. It is, as we've seen in the last 12 to 18 months, it is a stable profession. Um, it's worthwhile. It's It fulfills certainly fulfills my sense of self-worth. Uh, and um, look, it is certainly worth looking at those first couple of years when you're studying and if you it, particularly, it, I can speak to nursing, if you're in the first year or two and you're got placement in nursing homes and you think oh my goodness you know nursing homes are a tough gig this is not what I signed up to mm. stick it out finish it get your one to two years experience then the world is your oyster you can right. do whatever you like right you just got to get that experience and that bit of paper under your belt and then you can explore all there is to out there out all there is out there in the healthcare sector on offer Yeah, that's what I would say. It really is. I always say to the graduates, the world is your oyster. After Give me 12 months, then you can work anywhere.
0: That's great advice, Michelle. Thank you. It's been a privilege to have you on the show. And uh, I'm I'm even more inspired (laughs) about uh, working in this industry. And uh, uh, I thank you for your time. You've got to be a a very busy person. So thanks so much. And I I know that the audience is going to get so much out of this. So thank you.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Changing Lives. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider giving it a five-star rating, writing a short review, or even sharing it with a friend. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Did you know we're also on YouTube? Just search for Changing Lives Podcast and you can watch our episodes in full HD video. Yeah. A huge thanks to Australian Paramedical College for supporting this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about the exciting and diverse career opportunities in emergency healthcare in Australia, and which one is right for you, head to apcollege.edu.au for more info and to get your free, personalised healthcare career development plan. Special thanks also to our audio and visual engineer and editor, Jose Biotto. And as always, it's been a pleasure to bring you this episode. Until next time, don't stop changing lives.